Welcome back, everyone. It, happy Monday. It is the last Monday of July 2021. I can't believe it is July 2021 and we are still in the midst of a global pandemic, but here we are. Um, yeah, so it's July uh, 26, 2021. The markets are basically flat. The S&P 500, uh, when you zoom out to the five-day chart, it's flat. I mean, right now it's flat. The NASDAQ is a bit uh, doing a little bit better to this morning, 0.14%. But again, zoom out. It's not really a big move. Um, the big news today is that over the weekend, the crypto markets have meaningfully uh, popped. Over the last seven days, Bitcoin is up 25%. And Ethereum is, Ether is up 30%. But over the last 24 hours alone, Bitcoin has jumped about 13% and Ether about over 10%. Uh, something uh, we are invested at the, on the big board in some of these crypto um, crypt, cryptocurrencies. So, uh, you know, we like to see that. But again, we're in the long-term uh, trade, I guess, long-term investment. So I like to calm people when there's good news and calm people when there's bad news. So we'd be hypocrites if we uh, celebrated this a little too much, right? Because on the way down, we said, you know, don't worry about it. And so on the way up, it's kind of don't worry about it. Um, do, do I think I sell into the strength? No, I think the risk reward from here on out is still very, very good. That's the reason why we didn't sell at 45,000, um, 50,000, et cetera. Uh, so again, trying to stay intellectually, uh, intellectually consistent here as much as we can, even though we are but human here. Um, but yeah, so I think the risk reward from here, I mean, I, we're hitting a six week, a six week high. And so my question to you is, and it's just fun, right? Do you think that we are in a local bottom or is this a, a bull trap head fake on a longer term bear cycle? I think personally, I think that I'm about 50, 50 on, on the two. Um, I was prepared, quite honestly, for this to be another um, longer-term sort of a bear cycle on, on Bitcoin, given I had at least emotionally steeled myself that these cycles are going to be lower return and lengthening cycles over and over and over again until we become a very low volatility asset or at least for as low volatility as the internet can handle, right? So that it once Bitcoin ev eventually reaches full maturity and full market cap, only then can actually be used as like a medium of exchange, as a real currency or a real, real like uh, asset-backed thing, right? Up until then, it trades like a price discovery on a nascent growing network. So um, it's a one-day move. I don't again, like I don't like to overreact and a lot of people, like there are plenty of other channels you can go watch where they try to, you know, draw lines on a chart and, and say, oh, it broke out of this line. Oh, well, yeah, it broke out of this line. So like I, I make no, like not to say that, th that that data is not helpful, but my investment thesis here has always been, I mean, back when I was buying it like 8,000 per Bitcoin um, and even before then was the percent probability weighted chance it reaches half a million. So are we at half a million yet? No, we're not. I like to see green though. So we'll move on from that. If you all have any, um, um, Zach says, I know nobody believes in technical analysis, but this may be a bull trap. 
Uh, yeah, Nabo Hill is saying what I'm saying, lengthening cycles and diminishing returns. Um, yeah, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think anybody in the world knows, right? Because uh, the technical analysis works until it doesn't, right? And so to me, you know, I am in this game to compound my capital. And I, I actually released a TikTok last week on Thursday. Didn't do so well, but I think I'll tweak it. Um, I think investing strategies, and again, everybody knows this, right? I'm going to say it's going to be super, super obvious. Investing strategies should be determined on your life goal. Someone who just wants to retire, they like what they do. They've chosen a career path that they don't, they don't wake up and they don't go into work and they don't hate it. And they're passionate about it. And they're like, I want to do this until I'm 60, until I'm tired. And I, once I'm 60, I just want to be, be, uh, be comfortable, right? That's a completely different investing strategy than what I, like my goals have always been to make a bit more, I would say. I mean, that's the reason why I chose the hedge fund field. I, you know, killed myself trying to get into the, to the, the field. Um, and it's like even on the job day to day, it's like not the most enjoyable job. It's very uh, aggressive. Um, so what, but my investing strategy here has always been, I think we are in an era. And so I agree with Kathy Wood in this, in this regard, we're in an era where, and we're lucky enough to be in an era where innovation is happening, you know, in a, on a pace that is an accelerating pace. And we like, there are going to be more and more and more unicorns. We're already seeing it, right? Like now it's Decacorn. Unicorns are a dime a dozen now, right? And more and more innovation is going to disrupt more and more fields. And we're just going to see a lot more 10x, like multi-bag opportunities if we stay disciplined. And so to me, I'm willing, in such a low interest rate environment, right? I'm willing, you have to go up or earlier in the company life cycle and take on more, I guess, volatility risk. But I believe that over time that pays off on a portfolio wide basis, right? And that's something that Dan Loeb is now doing. He is a traditional hedge fund guy, much more like, or historically much more like Ackman. And now he's aggressively going up the, uh, the life cycle spectrum and investing in kind of pre he's doing pipes, um, on, on SPACs. He's doing like VC types of investments. Um, and we'll talk about that because Robinhood's going public this week. Duolingo's going public this week. And Joe Rogan's favorite, Traeger, is going public this week, right? Um, not to say Traeger is not, is not like a growth or an early stage growth company. But uh, yeah, so that's just all that. So like when we're talking about Bitcoin or we're talking about these like companies that are whipsawing, like just so you know who you're dealing with, right? Because I've always been, right? I was in my pajamas live streaming to you all like just less than a year ago in my spare bedroom. Um, I'm a hedge fund guy trained in like deep value investing, like just normal, like super deep value investing. But in my opinion, the best fat pitches over a portfolio wide basis, because you have to manage the portfolio of these is you take these just big fat swings because in my opinion, to get to, if to break past like that 3 million net worth on a whatever hundred thousand dollar salary, earlier that if that's the goal 
to me, you have to have the help of some multi-baggers and you have to be able to allocate to those multi-baggers in a way that moves the needle. And so to me, you just have to be really smart about the multi-baggers. And, but if you're going to be going for multi-baggers, these aren't like necessarily compounders, right? They're not like investing in Berkshire Hathaway. Oh yeah. Like they're going to reinvest their float and then buy another railroad company. This is like, you have to go, you have to find the ones that are like, it's e this thing's either going to go to zero or it's going to go to 10x. And I believe that it's a over a 50-50 chance it goes to 10, 5 to 10x, right? So the big board at a couple cents.com. So if you guys aren't members, uh, definitely sign up. I'm sure most of the people on these streams are. Um, right? The big board is some mix of the two. You know? And if you're like earlier, like if I were younger, I would go more aggressive. And, and, and if I were later, I'd go less aggressive in terms of that. But, um, but we'll probably split that up. Anyway, other news today. Um, Biden is seeking to reduce monthly mortgage payments by up to 25% for those with uh, mortgages who are end of, at the end of the COVID forbearance period. I don't believe, I know a lot of the real estate uh, influencers out there are saying, oh, we're going to see this like massive dump of supply as people go, as people for, um, they default on their mortgages after the forbearance periods are ending. But I don't really see the government doing like allowing that to happen. I think it would be a bad PR political move for them. And so I just, I, I don't think that we, that I am not expecting the real estate market to get meaningfully more like uh, to dump in a way that we're going to find a ton of like really good rental home values. Like, I also think that at, you know, over the last 15 years, companies like Blackstone and, and some of these big private equity firms have now bolstered their single family home buying too. So any large dislocation in the market will get capitalized by these big players. And the reason why we've seen outsized returns from mom and pop real estate investors for the last 40 years has been, um, well, easy, easy money on the mortgage side, but two, like, it's really like getting scale in the single family home business is just like a nightmare, right? Because a lots of onesie twosies. Oh, I found this grandma who like wants to sell and his, or like wants to pass this house down to their, her, uh, grandchildren and they don't want it. So they're selling at like a good price. Right. So some, that will always exist. Like getting a good deal will always ex exist, but in terms of a scalable way, um, I think that the real estate market is the arbitrage of returns between the real estate market and like the general capital markets is will will get squeezed over the next. Oh, I mean, it's gotten squeezed over the last ten to fifteen years, and I think it will continue to get squeezed. And I don't think there's going to be some dump of foreclosures that are going to happen. If I had to guess, right? Like everything's like a probability weighted thing. Like if I, my confidence level is like sixty five percent, I don't think. Two thirds, I don't think it's that we're going to see a dump. So, and right, Biden is going to reduce mortgage payments for right. So, the the government will probably ease that um, going forward. Uh, America's demographics are going the wrong way. Um, I don't know how much you guys wanted me to dig um, dig into this, but uh, like here's here's a here's a chart from the newsletter. Uh, this is the number of births per death over the decades. We had, this is the baby boom, right? Post-World War II baby boom. And Gen Z and millennials are not um, procreating in the U.S. So that's a concern long-term. 
that's a concern long term. Um, I think I mean, we can dig into the demographic reasons for it, but I think I like to think th think through things on the macro, like on an economics basis. I actually think it's probably driven by the fact that millennials are the first generation in American history to expect to to be expected to make less on a inflation adjusted basis than their parents' generation. And I think that continued with Gen Z. So to me, I think there's this turning of the American economy or the, you know, whatever, right? We all know that there's a hollowing middle class, widening wealth gap. And so when people feel like they have less wealth, they have less babies. Just to me, it's like an economic equation. Um, so that's something uh, to, to, to tackle. We're gonna talk more about the China news today on the ROIC only stream, but I want ROIC members to remember what I was saying about taking pot shots. Like that's part of the strategy is taking pot shots and hopefully two out of three pot shots work out as a multi-bagger and then you know one out of three might not work. So just remember that strategy. Um, but China is uh, confirms its intention to restrain the booming tutoring industry, slamming education stocks. Um, so some of the stocks like TAL Education Group um, and New Oriental Education Technology Group, EDU, uh, they are down like 54 to 70%. It's kind of crazy. Uh, so TAL stock. Uh, well, I guess that was uh, over um, last week. So that I just, um, yeah, we saw this article today. So we wrote about it, but yeah, these, these stocks are doing really poorly down 70%. Um, but the news that have come out, that's come out today actually about China is that Meituan, which is a, a company that's an amazing company, Meituan, like very, right. They plunged 14% in trading after they, China launched an extensive overhaul of its online education sector over the weekend. And, um, and they're also issuing regulations to tighten oversight over the food, massive food delivery sector. So for those of you that don't know what Meituan is, they're basically like a DoorDash, Postmates, plus Yelp. Because they, um, yeah, and they're way more dominant than anything we have in, in, in the U.S. Um, but, you know, there's just a continuation of crackdowns, which, so if you, if you own any Chinese stocks... Chinese stocks are gonna be down even more. So Alibaba, huge company, down another 5%. Are we live? No. no. All the technical difficulties today. Now we're live. Okay, we're back. All right, we're back. Sorry, that was my bad. My, my foot kicked the power plug. <laughs> All right, um, okay, so where did I leave off? Uh, okay. Yeah. I was agreeing with Jimmy though. Um, richer nations do has, have less, less children per, uh, per person. I agree. But I think, uh, our natural state to, and you can't explain the extreme drop in births and, uh, without talking about all the other factors. So one, we have actually a, a fertility crisis underlying. Um, hint, hint, we are, we do like generally the company progeny, not sure about the valuation. The valuation fluctuates quite a bit. Um, 
and the fact that it's a little bit more complicated than just like richer na- nations have less children too, because it's also like, well, rich middle classes have a lot of kids, right? So it's, it's, and it's also, you have to bifurcate actual populations and go down to like, what is actually happening? That's what, that's what, like, I think people miss like on the, like academic economists have always missed, right? It's like, oh, like, yeah, like innovation always creates GDP. So like all these like people in Erie, Pennsylvania are going to learn to code. Like that doesn't happen. Right. Um, so like you kind of have to marry the data with like what's actually happening on the ground. And that's why like as a hedge fund analyst, like you, you, you look at a stock and like if we had the time and the capacity and billions of dollars, um, we would buy satellite data or like I, I used to drive around to stores and like ask managers like, Hey, like how are sales doing? Right. Like that's, that's the on the ground research part of it. Um, so all that, we don't need to get, but anyway, Whatever we're in a we're in a birth birth uh, crisis here in America, uh, if if things don't turn around. Other things, uh, TSMC is considering another chip making plant in Germany to address the what we've talked about multiple times the global chip shortage, which should last for at least three years. Um, TSMC is trading at like twelve and a half times EBITDA, but you look under the hood. Royal members can see on the morning newsletter. You look in the hood, and TSMC is more expensive than you might think because they're spending a ton of money on building these these factories um but again let's uh let's dive into Robinhood. um robin is going public this week i think it's scheduled for thursday set to start trading on july 29th right which is indeed thursday um they have a current target range of 38 bucks to 42 dollars a share uh, trading on the NASDAQ and, uh, the company is seeking to raise about $2 billion with a valuation as high as 35 billion. Um, so we've covered Robinhood quite a bit on this channel. Uh, the valuation is pretty good. Now the, I mean, I even did a TikTok and it's on my Instagram. So if you guys want like a 30 second, like what does Justin think about, uh, Robinhood? then just go there. But like, just to rehash it, it's, it's a really, really good valuation, but they have so many lawsuits and the sec is investigating like how they make their money, which is payment for order flow. So the only reason why it's zero commission is because they sell your flow to market makers who pay them kind of a kickback. Right. So, and also the, the reason why the consumer might not like it is because um, we're actually in, in talks of partnering uh, as a sponsor on this channel uh, with a pretty reputable brokerage firm. And they always said, look, like uh, we are focused on the best execution possible. And there's a whole law that you have to execute a trade at the best possible price available that the market is showing. Now, if Robinhood or- routes your order to Citadel's market making division, versus jumps or something, right? Uh, but Citadel executes it at a certain price. Like you, you pay, you say, I want a market order of Apple stock, but jump had a better price. So is that is that the best execution possible? Maybe it's the best execution for Citadel, but jump or another comp- competing market maker had a better price. 
So that's like, I think the general concern about payment for order flow. Um, there are plenty of like deep dive re like reports you can read if you want to know more, but like, I, I don't know what I think about it. Spreads on equities are so low that it's are so narrow that it's like, I think that the everyday man would probably just say like, I don't want to pay commission out of my pocket. I just, 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 uh, like I like the zero commission model, but I think when you get to like crypto and stuff, like their spreads are really fat and they're making a lot of money on crypto. So there's two huge risks with Robinhood's IPO. This, like it's, it's a really good price. If they can keep, if Robinhood just keeps chugging what they're doing without, and nobody comes with a big bat to their knees, then I think you make a lot of money if you buy in at the IPO price of, of um, like 40 bucks a share. But there's so much risk that the government says, oh yeah, you can't do that anymore. Payment for order flow, can't do it anymore. You lose, they lose all their rev revenue in a snap, right? And on the other side, like they're so determined on the crypto markets because a lot of their growth this past year has been crypto trading. They make so much more money on those crypto spreads because they're just wider. It's like, a, it's a, it's a less, like the equity, equities market's been around for over a hundred years, right? So the crypto market could go into a crypto winter and then that could be a headwind on revenue. And they, they're getting sued, right? They did the whole, the whole uh, AMC, GameStop, halting stuff and all that stuff. So I think there's too much like existential risk there in my opinion. Um, learning language platform Duolingo is set to go public this week as well at 95 to 100 bucks a share. Uh, and yeah, and so that, you know, I think we, we did our valuation on that um, the other day and we looked at, it's a high growth company. It's a software company, it's strong. Um, my concerns with this one, and I think the valuation is fair. My concerns with this one has always been I think when people are sitting at home and they literally cannot go out, their desire to go learn a different language through an app is more than double. I also, as someone who's tried to use Duolingo myself, albeit I am a, I am like the one subject I always struggled with in school. The only subject I really struggled with was language. Cause I just, I'm not like a language person, but I, I mean, I like, like I like traveling and stuff and I like learning vocab, but yeah, like I always uh, tried it or churned out of Duolingo. Like I've tried four times in my lifetime. You even said you, I mean, you're like, like sort of conversational in French, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm getting there, but it's not because of Duolingo. No, it's Duolingo is a tool in the tool, toolbox to learn. But like you said, I have also cycled out of it twice. I've gone from being a heavy user paid for the subscription. It's good for vocab but you're not going to become a fluent speaker in anything by using Duolingo. In my opinion, you, you have to be immersive about it, especially if you're older and you're not a kid, it's easier for kids to learn languages, but it's, I think I haven't talked to a single person that hasn't experienced Duolingo like you, not a single person, me included. Oh yeah. Nobody's ever actually like reached achievement. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like you're always using the term sticky. It's not a sticky product. Yeah. I don't think it's a sticky product. So, I just don't like, well, like, again, for those of you that don't know, we start with product, company, and competitive dynamics, and then valuation. And we, you have to check, check all three boxes, right? Um, 
I think I can't even get past the product one on this one, but I think the valuation's fine, right? I'm not someone who just will buy any any asset at any at some rock bottom price. I mean, I'll make exceptions, right? We made an exception, made good money on like Albertsons, um, but yeah, just generally, uh, you know, to take a risk on an IPO day, I, I would skip Duolingo, um, and. Okay, Jimmy is saying after the pandemic is over, Peloton users will be listening to Duolingo nonstop. Maybe. Peloton sessions in a foreign language. Problem solved. Maybe. I don't I mean I don't I don't necessarily think that I want to base a fifty thousand dollar investment on on that happening, but yeah, I mean that's a good that's an interesting, interesting suggestion. Um Okay, Alex K is saying Robinhood wants to sell my order data for free trades, no problem. The institutions can short my positions and I'll steal their attendees. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, right, like they're selling your order flow for free trades. So just to explain this a little bit further, because I think it's it's a complicated thing that I, I didn't even, when I worked on Wall Street for one of those firms, like, I was just on another side of it and I, I don't know how, I didn't know really how it worked, right? I'm not a trader, I'm an analyst. Um, they, uh, they sell your flow, your, your trade to a market maker. But if you get fulfilled at a worse price than another market maker could give you, then you're paying that fee. Like that market maker is taking a fatter spread from you because you're getting filled at Apple at whatever, 300 bucks a share instead of 299. See what I'm saying? Like, um, you could have gotten more Apple stock at 299 than you would have at 300. So you're paying this, you're like conceptually, if you're not getting executed at the best possible price in the market right now, you're, you're you are paying something. You just don't feel like you're paying something. Um, so anyway, and um, Traeger, I'm going to leave it. So I was actually told a lot of comments. I was actually told that, and, and, and Graham Stephan apparently says this too, that live streaming actually hurts your channel. I've been live streaming to you all for over a year and don't worry. Like I think live streaming has been amazing and will always be hugely part of the Roic Roic offering for people, Roic members at a couple cents.com. Go check it out. Um, but like doing the public streams, I think it's always been right. It like it directly takes time from like making documentary style videos that are, you know, we, we put a lot of effort in as well. So I think, I think that we'll try to keep these a little shorter. I know I've been kind of ranting and raving all the time, but uh, yeah, we'll keep this one. Even the technical difficulties of 30 minutes, we've really gone through most of the news of the day and then we'll really dig into both China news and how I think about it and, um, and Traeger's IPO on the next stream for Roic members. Uh, I think Traeger looks really interesting. And it's not just because of Joe Rogan. Um, so, I'm so curious to hear about Traeger on the next stream. Traeger, they make wood pellet smoke smokers and grills. I'm wondering, in your opinion, 
back to the Robin Hood thing, why would, when you're saying, you know, the government taking a bat to Robin Hood's knees and no more payment for order flow, why would the government do that? That's what I don't understand is like, why is that a risk? Why would the government want to? Do right, look, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to spend my time dissecting the legal battle on payment for order flow because what does that do for us? Nothing. I just know there's a big risk. They're like legitimately a big risk, right? You all know that, right? I think there's a big risk there. And the upside to me is like, oh, like Robinhood can like double. Like, like I don't think it's a five-bagger at this valuation. And not only that, like there's also existential risks that are not even about payment for order flow, right? Um, I think it's a really sticky business. I think... They've lost a bit of wind in their sails a bit with the growth, but I mean, they can keep growing. I just don't know if I like the business enough to take on all the risk. And even if you, there's no lawyer in the world, securities lawyer in the world that could tell you like a definitive answer on what the SEC will rule. So if I don't, if I can't get confident about a few different things, then I don't need it. I don't need it, right? Well, I have Peloton. I own Peloton. It's not like the government's going to say, you're not allowed to sell bikes with iPads on them, right? Like, that's not a risk. I mean, the, the, big, the biggest risk we had was a child died, like, horrible, horrible accident, uh, because the child got sucked under one of the treadmills and... That's a design and there might be like some lawsuit and settlement that comes out of that. But like, I don't necessarily, I don't think in a country or well, yeah, you know, I guess they're expanding internationally, but I don't see, there's no one saying you should like, let's ban all, all like treadmills in the home. Right. But, and so they're going to keep selling treadmills and selling virtual subscriptions that don't even require anything, right? The virtual subscriptions are like, hey, like Peloton, like you get to take all our classes, you just don't have the equipment, you just need to buy some weights and we do classes for you. Um, that's always gonna stay legal and that's incredibly profitable. Now, Robinhood has probably lower upside, in my opinion, or maybe similar upside. And then like all these existential risk pieces, so why would I really like dig into that's why we do quick screens. It's like, I can sniff out where we should spend time because make no mistake about it. We're going to flip to, um, so we talked about Robinhood's IPO. We talked about Duolingo's IPO. We talked that we like, we like Traeger's looks very interesting. So we're going to talk about that in the next one, next stream. So join us there. If you're not a Rogue member, join us at a couple cents.com. Um, but our number one asset in life is time. Right, Jeff Bezos and Jacob have the same amount of that resource, and that that will not change. Right, so it's where do I spend time? To f and then because there's another thing, and I'll leave you with this. Right, it's I know I said that like two times, but I'm gonna actually leave you to this. It's part of this whole thing, right? It's like uh, there are interesting stories everywhere in the world. That's why there's a lot of journalists that, that do that. But I'm not a journalist. I'm not here to like write a beautiful essay for you. It's like, oh, that's interesting, right? Um, 
I'm here to find stocks that I want to invest in with my seven figures, right? Um, and I do the content because people like the content and, and I can help a lot of people if they believe that I'm in what I'm looking at, right? Um, but like you can tell early on, everything's like, right? Everything is a probability weighted, uh, and I keep saying this because I, I love pop culture too. It's like, it's uh, Doctor Strange in Avengers Endgame. Like there are a million different probability weighted branches of how anything can happen, right? So, but on the investing decision, the best investments are the ones with the least amount of trees that you see today, right? It's literally, does this happen or does this not? Does this, if this happens, you make a lot of money. If this doesn't, if it doesn't happen, then you won't make a lot of money. But the, the, the lowest amount of tree, tree branching you can have in an investment is two. And nothing's ever two, right? The world's too complicated for that. But if you can meaningfully, like, within two, um, I don't know, standard deviations, say that it's like the, within two standard deviations, there's like the probabilities, it's one of these two outcomes that's going to really move the needle. And it's like, you, you just have to be right about that, right? It's the whole like, is everybody going to adopt smartphones or not? And is Apple going to be the one? Um, but with Robinhood, it's like, not only do you have to be right about this, you have to be right that the government doesn't do this. You have to be right about competitors don't do this and the lawsuits don't do this, right? There's so many tree branching. There's so much tree branching that I like look at the tree. Like I don't need to go down that path because there are other stocks where it's like a much simpler, like uh, a much simpler prediction. So, and I will say it again before we head into the row extreme, the strategy isn't necessarily like each individual in investment the strategy isn't necessarily like, Oh, like this one's going to compound and be non-dramatic. No, some of them are like, no, this thing's either 10 X or a zero and I'm okay taking those pot shots and those pot shots better be one of those like simple tree branching, um, probability things stocks, because like, I don't like those are pot shots betting on like one thing happening. Right. Like people that invested in DraftKings. I did a DraftKings video a long time ago. Like the valuation is insane. You're just, it's like, is everybody going to be gambling on their phones? Yes or no. Right. But to me, the valuation took away a lot of the upside. Um, yes or no. It's like the, a, a lot of it is yes or no. Cool. So thank you so much. I appreciate um, uh, you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Heather is saying, honestly, sounds like you don't want, want innovation. Well, um, I don't, I don't know what that means. Maybe you can write, write a more clear comment so I can Boom. address it. Um, cool. Thanks so much. I will see you guys, Roke members, in the next one. Uh, probably like five minutes. Thanks so much. Bye.